This is the First Presbyterian Church of Irvington podcast. Here at FPC Irvington, we believe the whole church is taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Wherever you hear this message from today, we pray that you are blessed by our ministry and message. My brothers and sisters, I ask that you pray with me and for me. Let us pray. Gracious God, your word surprises, challenges, upsets, and overturns our way of seeing and thinking. Come and find us today, wherever we are. Then, O oh God, fill us with your spirit and humble our hearts so that we can hear your word. In your name we pray, amen. Well, you saw the sermon title for this morning, Two Little Words. My first question for the day, can you imagine or do you think you know what two little words I'm thinking of? Well, as a mom and now a grandmom, it turns out that my mom and grandma as well as other moms and grandmas listening today, we're right. Of course, we're right. And of course, they were right. But for more reasons than they or even you and I know. I'm referring to all those times in your childhood when they instructed you to say thank you. And all the times you've instructed yours to say thank you. Two little words, thank you. It may have been someone who gave you a gift as a, or a compliment or extended some form of kindness towards you. Your first impulse may have been to enjoy the good thing that had come your way, but your mother's words made it clear that your first priority should be to thank the other person. As we said, mom was right. Not just because uttering those two little words is a matter of politeness. Because a recent release 10-year study of more than 200,000 managers and employees revealed that saying thank you in the business world results in bigger profits. When people are thanked for what they do, they're more motiva motivated and often their productivity improves. This, of course, translates into more dollars. What's more, these leaders who, ought, who do the thanking often gain competitive advantages in the workplace because others like them tend to support their practices and their projects. Not surprising then, then CEOs and managers are encouraged to find opportunities to thank everyone from interns to mailroom employees to those further up the corporate ladder. We've even seen an article in which the author provided a list of 25 expressions of gratitude for those leaders who, who are too thanksgivingly challenged. 
to come up with their own. Can you imagine? Including such simple phrases as, I'm truly grateful, or your contribution is important, and you make the job easier. Of course, laying all that out like that makes it sound like nothing more than a business method, another practice to boost a company's bottom line. And apparently, there's something to that. For it seems that all these expressions of thanksgiving do make the recipients feel good, even if one is extending them solely for a strategic reason. As long as it sounds sincere, it's effective. Well, that's about thanking one another. What about thanking God? How often do you say, thank you, God, or sing the song, I just want to thank you, Lord. Certainly, what we heard from Exodus this morning, the Hebrews were hurting. They were thirsty. Right now, in parts of the U.S., in these parts, although I said that, but then I started thinking about the city of Newark and the cities of Detroit. But for the most part, The one thing we can get, even with COVID-19 scarcities, is water from the tap or from a bottle. It's easy for us, those of us who've seldom been truly thirsty and never faced the likelihood of death from the lack of water, to be critical of those people. In addition to the fact that we've never walked in their shoes, we've never worked in their sandals, so to speak. In the Exodus chapters previous to 17, we saw how Yahweh saved them over and over again from apparently helpless situation. Surely they should understand that Yahweh would rescue them yet again, but they don't. But if our throats were parched and our children were crying for a drink of water, we might forget God's providence, past providence too. But we need to balance those concerns about needing water with the fact that Yahweh has saved the Israelites not once, not twice, but over and over again. They have cause for fear, but also cause for faith. These people accuse Moses of bringing them out of Egypt to kill them. Perhaps they doubted his motives as well as his leadership. He was, after all, Yahweh's agent, and he brought them to salvation time after time. However, when they were hurting, they lose faith that he can do it again. Maybe you're at the point in your life when you're lamenting about how good things were before COVID-19. Your children were somebody else's burden from eight to three in the afternoon, five days a week. You didn't have to hide your face or wear gloves even when it isn't cold. You had a job maybe you didn't like, but it was a job. Now some of you are working, but the environment isn't safe. Worse, you may bring the problems home. So you may be like the Hebrew people saying, Why did you bring us out of Egypt 
to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst. Except, who's your Moses? Well, it may be friends, spouse, deacons, community leaders, Reverend Abaji, and me. Perhaps you take it directly to the Lord. Are you thinking that the church, as Yahweh's agent, is failing you? Is God failing you? The people ask, is God with us or not? But because we're students of the Bible, we know the answer. In the very next verses of this same chapter, Yahweh saves, gives them a military victory. And then in the New Testament text from Ephesians, Paul is explaining in chapter 5 what he started in chapter 4, verse 1, that says, work worthily of the calling which you were called. In chapters 4 and 5, Paul tells us how to walk the walk. He says, watch carefully where you walk. Well, here the word walk means live. So he's saying, watch carefully how you live. Don't be foolish. Be filled with the Spirit and give thanks. As we think about what we don't have, about what we want but can't seem to get, let's take, take, take a step back and look at our lives from a much higher level looking down. If you have food in the refrigerator, no matter it's not food that you want, but if you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, maybe not designer clothes, but clothes on your back, a roof over your head, maybe not a mansion, a McMansion, but at least a roof over your head and a place to sleep. You are richer than half the people in this world of them. If you have money, no matter how much or how little, cash in your wallet, no matter how much, no matter how little, spare change in your dish somewhere, maybe a jar full of pennies. You are among the top 10% of the earth's wealthiest people. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more fortunate than the five thousand people in the world who died last night from COVID. If you've never experienced danger of a battle, loneliness of imprisonment, fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are fortunate than more than the millions of people in this world who cannot say that. If you are here with us in this worship service or any other religion-oriented meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, or torture or death. As we talked about last week, you are more fortunate than millions of people in this world. It's hard. It's not hard for us to count our blessings, is it? Most of us could quickly count down on a rather lengthy list, including thanks for family, for our friends, for food, for clothing, for cars, for a home, for a job, for health, for freedom, for opportunity, and so on. And pastor led us in that prayer. But think about this. If we follow this logic, 
then it means if we lack these, does it mean that if we lack these things that we can't give thanks? We can count our, can we count our blessings only if we have stuff to count? I don't think so. The Apostle Paul encourages us to give thanks for nothing. In fact, he offers us the example of his own thanksgiving for nothing at all. Not one tangible, material, physical thing. Giving thanks in this words of Paul is the fourth thing that he tells us about. They're participles, I-N-G words. But giving thanks. And that's the last on this list of four things, coming from being filled with the Spirit. We are to give thanks always. In his letter to the Thessalonians, Paul said, rejoice, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. It can be difficult to give thanks when things aren't going well. As we talked about in Bible study the other night, when you're up to your neck in alligators, it is hard to give thanks. However, if you're rooted spiritually, you will be encouraged by the knowledge that God is with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. And Nana sang that song for us today. If God is with us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How would he not also be freely given to us with all things. Thanksgiving has its roots in the Old Testament. The Israelites gave thank offerings. The psalmist in particular, as pastor led us in prayer today, gave both thanks and enjoined others to do so. Jesus gave thanks in the, in the New Testament and emphasized the importance of giving thanks, but gave the parable of the Pharisee and the publican to emphasize the futility of thanks gone awry. In the, in the new Jerusalem, in the world that we're aspiring to, in the new heaven and the new earth, the angels will worship God with songs of thanksgiving. Revelation 7 verses 11 and 12 tells us, and the angels stood around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power that might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Why should we give thanks? There's some scriptural thanksgiving that was in response to a particular blessing, such as deliverance from, from enemies or a harvest. But much of it was simply a response to God's grace, especially the gift of Christ on the cross. As you know, a group met last week after uh, service to talk about harvest for this year. One of the first questions was why a harvest? Members are saying, we were told, things are hard, jobs have been lost, we've got health concerns, the church is closed, it doesn't need money, the church isn't doing anything for me. 
let me address some of those things. Yes, things are bad. Period. Stop. I don't have an answer for that. As we say, that is above my pay grade. But as a community, we do what we can for each other, support each other, pray for one another. The Presbytery, because we are a connected church, the Presbytery made small grants available for undocumented persons to pay towards their utility bills. There were those among us at FPC that benefited from that. Oftentimes, information is shared via social media about programs that are available. Right here on this platform, we ask weekly, do you have a need? Well, I wish there was enough money in our accounts to give money to those in need, whatever they wanted, but there isn't. But we will try to do what we can. Yes, the church building is closed open only for a very small period of time during uh, food distribution. This summer, we didn't run air conditioning, so we saved money. But winter is coming, and we will still need to keep the heat on at a minimum to avoid freezing pipes. As you know, even if you're on vacation and away from the house or the apartment, you still get a gas and electric bill, less but not zero. When you're away, phone bills must be paid. Again, less, but not zero. Salaries must be paid. We've got fewer employees, but there's still a payroll. Insurance for our building must be paid. The alarm system must be taken care of. The manse must be maintained. And as much as we enjoy the technology, worship via Zoom and Facebook are not free. So the question came up, why a harvest? The question was turned around and someone said, why not? God has been good to us since October 2019. These last six months has not been the whole year. We talked about the idea of a harvest. Harvest is a fundraiser, the biggest money-making event for us. The harvest was to be, originally, the harvest was to be dessert on top of the main course, the tithes and the offering. Sadly, now it's more the entree. But the real reason we thought, we thought back on was to be a way for us to say, thank you, God, for taking us from that small group of 25 or 30 worshipers to sometimes we've been three, four, five, six times that number. But the money we raised came from individuals saying thank you, not only with their financial gifts, but by working together to have a wonderful celebration. The ministries that make FPC function are done by people giving of their time and talent, not just their money. Like your lives, church has had some good years and some bad years. We've had some obstacles to overcome and yet victories as well. My brothers and sisters, First Church Irvington 
will be 125 years old next year. 125 years doing ministry on that corner. Isn't that reason alone to give thanks? This year, we want to focus on the reason for the harvest, Thanksgiving. So throw out whatever ideas you had about the previous harvest. Because of COVID, we can't have an auction. We can't dance down the aisle with our offerings. And of course, you know what hurts my heart. We can't eat like we always do. I can't get my fried plantains or my jollof rice. But we will celebrate Harvest 2020 differently. So on the last Sunday, the fourth Sunday in October, October 25th, we're going to have special offering or Harvest Sunday. Our theme is giving thanks in times like these. The scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Giving thanks in times like these. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Yes, times are difficult, and we wanted to avoid increased pressure, so we will not be doing collections by communities. Communities often set a required donation amount, and the group felt that that might be difficult for some members. Your donation will be credited only to you and known only by the counters like regular offering. We hope to have a moment for Thanksgiving every Sunday, reminding us that we should be thankful. We also want, if you have a testimony to give, about how good God has been to you. Tell me, tell Pastor Abaji, and we will make an opportunity for you to share that testimony. But friends, it's not only about money. How can we be thankful in times like these and other ways? Briefly, thank God for the material blessings he's given you. Thank God for the people in your life. Thank God for his salvation in Jesus Christ and for his continued presence and power in your life as you walk the walk. Right now, this can translate into helping with the food ministry, helping with social media ministry, mowing the lawn, helping the children's with children's time, praying more, studying the Bible more. Just because we can't do it like we did before doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. The Apostle Paul wants us to appreciate the immeasurable greatness of God's power, power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him on heavenly places. This power has put Jesus in the place of ultimate authority, far above any earthly rulers, any of these crazy people that are out there. God is above that, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, so that everything on earth is now under the soles of his sandals. In short, Jesus rules. But the best part is this. God's amazing power is at work in those of us who believe. 
in those of us who believe in that power and have experienced this power, we take it, that part in the life of the body of Christ, that the body of believers known as Christian church. It doesn't matter how much wealth or power or prestige or personal inventory or square footage we control in this world because the greatest influence comes through our work as disciples of Christ. It is as followers of Jesus that we experience the divine life and power of God that fills all things. It is as followers of Jesus that we're able to endure the incredible hardship and overcome enormous personal obstacles. It is the power of Jesus that we're able to share the love and grace and hope and peace and the forgiveness of our Lord. It is as followers of Jesus that we're able to step out in mission and share the gospel in both our worlds and our, in our words and our deeds. None of these is a thing in a material sense, but whether we are rich or poor, homeowners or homeless, working or unemployed, we have access to the amazing set of essential, eternal, unseen treasures. My friends, this is a thank you card, right? If I were in the sanctuary, I would have given one of these to each and every one of you. You know the deal. We used to send one of these whenever you got a gift or you made your, your parents made you do it and you made your children do it. Well, they still sell these cards, but email or text works just as well. Isn't it the thought that counts? Your homework assignment is to find a card, a piece of paper, or maybe even just an envelope, all right? And what I want you to do is, of course, put money in it to prepare for October 25th, but so it won't hurt that much at the end of next month. But I also want you to think of the people in your life that you may overlook. I want you to not forget about church folks. Write down the names. We can help our church and make it more vital by thanking God for the faith, hope, and love of our fellow worshipers and acquaintances by thanking them. And we can become better people and better Christians ourselves by taking time to express our gratitude, by asking for an attitude of gratitude. And so I'm a true believer in leading by example. I'm a true believer that says that all of these things must start from the top. And so, First, I'm thanking my minister colleague, Reverend Dr. Abiji Abaji, Abaji Abiji, for all that he has done to help me and to help the church. I thank all of our worship teams, our media team, our ministry teams for the work that you're doing because you make church possible. You take church out of the building and put it out on the street. 
I say thank you to each and every one of you who come to worship, who question, who say, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe let's think about this. I thank you for those because I know they come from the heart. But in all of these things, the most important thing is the two little words. Thank you, not to one another, but to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Because as Christians, we can truly say to God, thank you for everything. And may God's people say, Amen and amen. If you have been blessed by our message, we welcome you to partner with us in spreading the word of God. Please visit our website, www.fpcirvington.com or follow us on our social media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this. May the peace of Christ be with you.